0: Welcome to Leveraged Lifestyle, the podcast that shares with you the mindset and skill set it takes for you to create your ideal leverage lifestyle, whatever that might look like for you. Please welcome your host, entrepreneur,
1: world record holder, and globetrotter, Catherine Turner.
0: hi there leverages yes it's Catherine Turner here and I just want to say a big thank you to Kelly for making this happen because it was all uh, rather last minute as those who follow me on social media know Uh, so I just want to say a big thank you to Kelly for agreeing to do this and um, hopefully you're going to enjoy (laughs) what I've got to share with you and uh, I know Kelly's going to ask some great questions because that's her
1: background that's what she does So, Kat, let's jump straight in. 100 episodes, quite a celebration, but also a massive milestone. You must have learned an awful lot listening to your guests. And I guess the first question I've got for you is, what have you learned? What's been the biggest takeaway over the last 100 episodes?
0: Oh, my goodness. Now, that is a question and a half. Um, So, what have I learned? I've definitely learned from every guest we've had on, for sure. Um, So, I suppose its I could take the question as, what have I learned from the people I've interviewed? But also, what have I learned from just doing and putting out a podcast and getting to 100 episodes? So I'll kind of I'll take both if that's okay. So for me, uh, each guest has definitely taught me as much as I hope it's taught uh, the listeners something. Uh, I've taken nuggets, bits of advice. um, I'll save probably I'm sure there'll be a question as, you know, some of the top tips I've learned from the the inter. The interviews I've had later, so I'll, I'll I won't I won't spoil that. But for me, it's more than anything what I've learned from doing a podcast is how it gave me the accountability that I really needed to keep creating content each week. Because there's a lot of stuff in my head, that a lot of stuff I'm learning as I'm out in the world, um, as a mom, as a business owner, as a speaker. And really, it was a chance for me to say how I could go and help others. I really felt there was something that I could share. And through podcasting, it has helped me realise my own knowledge and experience and to leverage that out there. And also what it has meant to leverage throughout this time and how that can change along the way. And I think that's why always in the podcast, I've never been prescriptive about What a leveraged lifestyle is like, obviously, I can share what it means to me. My guests have shared what it has meant to them. And actually, a lot of the time that has been a consistency throughout the podcast. So that's what I've learned that actually having a leveraged lifestyle for most people does seem to mean a kind of freedom and choice and that ability to have these opportunities. But how they implement that, one, is different. And two, how they live that, how they live this freedom and choice is different. That's going to be different if they're a parent, if they're single, if they're, you know, young and don't have dependents, if they are traveling the world at the time. Or freedom can simply mean, you know, working from your kitchen. Um, So it's the words are similar. It's how people are living them is different. And I think that's the great thing I've learned throughout this podcast is there's no one size fits all. And that's what I absolutely love sharing with all my listeners, because I think every single listener is going to have their own unique take on it. But I think the one thing I have learned is for everyone that those words of freedom, choice, opportunity, uh, it definitely is a consistency throughout, throughout it all.
1: So breaking that down, Kat, then what does it specifically mean for you? What does a leverage lifestyle mean for you? How do you implement it and how do you live it? <laughs> so I've always
0: said it does mean that freedom and choice. But interestingly, to create freedom, I definitely do think there's an, uh, an ability to create security in your life. Now, security for many people will come in different forms. And sometimes when I talk about my values being that freedom and security, they might seem like, opposites but they're opposites of the same coin and to be able to be in control of your income so that it's not dependent on a company that's hired you that could also fire you that i am my own boss in the sense that i'm really the only person who can ultimately fire me or you know um not have, you know, decide to whether to continue a business or not, to decide to do something different. And that's that flexibility and that freedom to do that. The flexibility and the freedom to do that wherever I wish to do that. And, you know, at the moment in time with my children, that's at home, that's working around them, that's uh, providing some security for them, but also having the flexibility to work around Them as well. Whereas before when I was traveling, it was the ability to have that laptop lifestyle and take my my phone and my laptop and be able to work wherever I wanted to around the world. And I think we'll get back there again as a family. We'll go travel um, when we can uh, again and have that freedom and flexibility to do that. So I think the words for me always that come up are freedom and choice. There's an element of creating my own security and being in control of that throughout the whole process um and also for me the the big step and why i wanted to create what i deemed a leveraged lifestyle was because i was really unhappy in a a kind of nine-to-five office job which is what i had at the time and i didn't want to be essentially the whim of other people i wanted to create and Have that creativity, actually, is another important step for me. And that doesn't mean necessarily being an artist or a dancer, although I have uh, that background and qualifications. I've done amateur dramatics, I've danced on big stages and all that sort of stuff. And I've done that in my past. And again, I feel like something that will definitely come into my future as well. But it's that creativity in the sense that you are not just stuck doing the same thing day in, day out, because I find that really monotonous. I can't stand the whole idea of Groundhog Day. That's how I felt when I was working in my nine to five. So anything that gives me that chance to be creative as well, that's what a leveraged lifestyle seems to me. Now, it's interesting because every time I seem to answer this, um, it changes slightly. And I think this is, again, what I've learned throughout the time. Like, I don't think there is... Um, an answer that will always be exactly the same. But like I said, for me, probably the key words that come up, freedom choice, security, control, but with that element of creativity as well.
1: So what's interesting about that Kat, is for me, a lot of those are about the, um, the lifestyle elements. So when we take a leveraged lifestyle, a lot of the things that you've described that are important to you, they're quite big lifestyle choices in terms of where you work, how you work, um, adapting with the family and those sorts of things. What does the word leverage mean for you?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. So for me, leverage is much more than just hiring someone else and then delegating everything out because I think too often people can abdicate the work instead. So for me, I think it starts in your life in terms of thinking about all the things where you are spending out your time. So for me, leverage is about how you're using that time, because that is the only finite thing we have in the world and have in our life is the time. And we don't know how much time any of us have got, really. So how can we use that time to best effect? And therefore, how can I leverage out things that one, I'm not good at, two, I don't like doing, or three, someone else could do much better than me and potentially for a cheaper hourly rate than I want to be paying myself. So I would look at things like, You know, the cleaning, the gardening. So this would start with kind of life, not necessarily business stuff. Then I would go on to think about, okay, all the things like even booking holidays. I know it sounds like that should be a really fun thing to do, but I found myself getting really stressed and anxious every time I was going to book a holiday. So then I started um, finding someone who loved doing that. That was their forte. That's what they loved to do. And they were actually getting me a better deal than I could go and find. So then I started to outsource and leverage that. Um, It then started to take over in terms of virtual assistants and anyone who's been listening to this podcast at any point in time will know that I talk about virtual assistants quite a lot. We have uh, those who work for us in the Philippines. And for me, that really changed and jump started where our business could go, because there's only so many hours you want to be working in the week, whether you're a workaholic and you absolutely love what you do and you, you know, you'd be happy to work 80 hours plus. But for me, I don't want to be working that. I have children, two young children. They do need my time and I want to be there for them while they're growing up in these years. And so as much as I do love what I do and uh, when I'm delivering and training, and doing all of that and having that bit of time away from my children. Uh, and people might say that's not good leverage, but actually I'm leveraging my experience. It's a great day rate. Um, and so actually that for me works really well. And Leverage as well is about leveraging systems. So making sure that everything's not stuck inside my head or your head. If you've got a business or you've got just things that you do in your daily life, you know, get them out. I love Evernote. It's nice and easy. Um, Record it on your computer. For me, that's kind of leveraging your time to best uh, effect. And then also any software and systems and apps like we, we do it every day without even thinking about it. We pick up our phone. We're, we're leveraging that technology, those apps that help us just do things a lot quicker than actually we ever used to. But then our children are not even going to know that. Like I remember we were talking the other day about dial up Internet and things like that and how long we had to take for these things to happen. Now, uh, I don't know how old my youngest uh, listener is, but there might be some people who don't even really remember dial up Internet. Um, and so it's just how these things have speed speeded up what we can do with the time we've got. And so for me, that's really what leverage is about. It's about leveraging your time, leveraging your knowledge and experience, leveraging also your money and how you can create assets that can create passive income. So you can be earning money, whatever you're doing with your time, maybe even while you sleep. I think that's a fantastic use of time to create assets that create passive income. Um, And then there's leveraging people in your network
1: and uh, those around you as well. And with this, um, with the idea of leverage, have there been any things since doing the the, the podcast and since sort of interviewing various different people, have there been any um, particular interviews that have massively changed your perspective on what leverage means? Um, because I think when I initially started listening to the podcast and one of the, some of the great episodes we've had in terms of, you know, some of the top 20 jobs that can be outsourced in your personal life and all those sorts of things, the focus was very much on outsourcing. But that answer there sort of goes a little bit deeper in terms of other things that you can leverage. So I'm curious, has your opinion changed over the course of doing this podcast or has it just evolved with your lifestyle?
0: I think that's the thing I think it probably has one evolved I think at the beginning what I wanted to give people of the, on the podcast and the listeners and my leverages here a chance to look at some of the practical elements of going to leverage and I think a lot of that started with outsourcing and so I did want to be clear kind of as the podcast has gone along as I've had questions about the podcast and you know people involved in the community and that have asked more you know is it just about outsourcing to a virtual assistant it 100% isn't and it is about what else can you leverage what have you got available to you and so for me I suppose I wanted to be really clear that it wasn't just about outsourcing to other people like it isn't about leverage and I think it was actually an interview I did for someone else's podcast that got me probably clearer than ever on what that was about um, the smart connector podcast and she asked me, you know, what does leverage mean? And she specifically said leverage rather than kind of leverage lifestyle. And so I wanted to get really clear that it wasn't just about virtual assistants and about outsourcing the work to someone else and and, and especially not about abdicating the work. Uh, and it was about, you know, your network, uh, you, the people in your team, uh, contractors, um, your peers, your mentors. Um, and it's a much bigger um, network than that sort of thing than than uh, just leveraging to say team members it is also seeking out these people you can leverage um who have knowledge beyond yours who have done the things that you want to do and i talk about that um throughout the podcast as well i think as things have developed from yeah the very first episodes very much you know uh, how can i leverage a va how can i hire one what's the things i can outsource them because that was what i was doing Uh, a lot at that moment in time. And I think what I've done as the podcast has developed is talk about the mindset behind it, what it really will take, um, also having um, that feeling that you're doing the thing you really want to do and how you can get there and how that can be um, fast-tracked by leveraging, by using VAs, by leveraging the people around
1: you, uh,
0: and then all those other things that I just shared.
1: And what about right now? What are you leveraging right now? What's your focus at the moment? Oh, so really my
0: focus, um, I mean, as we record this, because, of course, people might be listening to this, you know, a year on or so. We're week nine or so of uh, lockdown in the UK. And so it has been a lot Different for sure. So, I think a lot of things I had been talking about in terms of technology leverage, uh, in terms of being able to work from wherever you wanted in the world, all of that people are now having to do. You know, people are having to um, suddenly work from home rather than going into an office. Work off their phone, work off their laptop, work around children. Um, So that's one of the things I've not been able to leverage for a long time is actually leveraging uh, my network in terms of the people who help me look after my children. So I've been having to do a lot more of that. Um, The ability to be able to work flexibly, i.e. being able to work at times when the kids are asleep or when the youngest is having his nap. All of that I've talked about throughout, but now it's more like everyone's having to deal with that, who weren't expecting to, and I think it is going to change the way of working um, as we go forward. Now that you know office spaces are are not going to be able to have, to have as many people next to each other, so therefore people are going to have to you know work from home on different days, be a bit more flexible in how they work. So I think some of the technology, the systems, possibly even having virtual assistants as well, uh, working. Just because they've been used to working that way uh, for a long time is going to come into it. So there's something I'm definitely not leveraging, i.e. childcare. Um, you know, I haven't had the the gardener or the the clean around for a long time, things like that. Um, but what I have been leveraging is uh, online systems, uh, creating business dash sos.com with with my husband steve so that we can share our knowledge and our experience of doing all this because i know it's going to be new to a lot of people and actually this is also a great opportunity for people to leverage as well because look if they're furloughed for example if they have been thinking about starting a new business and things like that this could potentially be a great time to start that um, and and see how they can fit in uh, a job around sorry, uh, uh, work in a business alongside their job and how that might actually start to look because they're not maybe having that travel time or the commute time the same way that they used to. And maybe they could use that time to create, you know, what people call a side hustle or a side income or some passive income through creating assets. So I think more than anything, this is a time to be leveraging. And so I suppose what I'm trying to do is leverage that and get the message out there even more so that, It doesn't have to be as scary or this big, overwhelming change. Um, It can actually be a really exciting thing and a real opportunity for people.
1: And what's interesting about this time is the sense being that it's obviously a new era. We're we're going into a new way of working and living. Some people, as you say, that have been reliant on cleaners and gardeners and those sorts of of, of, um, trades that are taken for granted, have now not had that. And they've also had childcare Um, you know, 100% of the time. So with all of those elements taken out, for me, what's quite interesting is some of the people I'm speaking to are saying, actually, you know, we're doing our own cleaning. We're now incorporating it as part of a family chore and those sorts of things. And there's almost a move towards simplicity. And then you've kind of got other people I'm speaking to that are very much, this is absolutely now the time where I need to be relying on on others because I can't cope and do it all myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious as we sort of enter this new era, where do you see things going? Do you see us sort of almost seeing a bit of a, a two-pronged society or do you see that this is actually a chance for those systems to be put under stress, i.e. everybody working at home, everybody using their internet, everybody being a bit more creative in terms of how they do things, um, or do you think as we come out of this scenario, people will almost go for a, for a more simplistic lifestyle?
0: I think you're, you've hit the nail on the head there, Kelly, because I think it is like it will be it'll kind of be that 50 50 when it'll be the people who have enjoyed some of that simplicity and you know like right now as we're recording this my children are out in the the garden with my husband and he's just created a little picnic on a blanket for them and they're so excited by that idea and I think it's going to be that uh, the idea that you know we don't have to rush to to costa for example or starbucks or whatever your kind of coffee of choice is to have that family time or go to restaurants the same way i think there'll be an element of simplicity and there's um there's a book i really uh, loved it was I, I listened to it actually it was about the, the the four laws of financial prosperity and one of them is about kind of going back to this simpler idea and and you And I think a lot more people will be maybe cautious with their income because, you know, I'm hearing a lot of people, even jobs that they thought might have been secure and for the rest of their life, for example, uh, are now, you know, looking that they might get uh, made redundant and the jobs are at risk because maybe some companies are seeing that they could work with less workforce because they've been furloughed and things like that. So I think there'll be it'll be interesting to think uh, those who are maybe a bit more, Conscious about their income and, you know, having some more savings for rainy days, like we've kind of had rainy months and weeks now, uh, essentially, although we've had beautiful weather, thank goodness, here in uh, England and down in Essex, where I am. I think that will bring back some simplicity. But I also think... For example, those parents who have struggled—they'll um, be even more grateful for grandparents, friends, uh, extended sort of networks, nurseries, schools. They'll, you know, be even more grateful to have those back again once we can have that kind of back full time. Because I know, speaking with a lot of parents, just because I am one, it has been hard, and I think it's. It has put things to a test. It probably has strained a lot of relationships. And so I think it will. I hope it really will bring us back to a sense of what's important, I think, more than anything. And I did a whole episode just on being kind. And why I'm bringing this up now is because I think more than anything, we need to be kind to ourselves and then to others. But I don't think I think that starts with us. And I think one of the things I'm seeing throughout this period is people being really hard on themselves, judging themselves, putting a lot of pressure on themselves, trying to be, you know, the super mum who can work from home, who can homeschool, who can look after young children, who can cook, who can keep the house clean, who can keep the garden done and all this sort of thing. And I'm saying the mum, of course, this might be the dad as well or whoever is the the main caregiver as such. And they're putting so much pressure on themselves. And I'm just like, look, be kind. You can't do it all right now. And so it will then become more important as to what gets leveraged and what they where they're seeking support. So whether that's, wow, I've been able to achieve all of this and the kids have been at home or and I've been able to get the cleaning done or the garden actually looks okay, And I've been able to keep working to an extent. So I'm thinking something's got to give for people for sure. But what that will be, I think, will be different for everyone. But I think they will then look, OK, what's the most important thing that I get leveraged out right now? Is it actually my business and being able to get the systems in place so I can hand over to a VA for 20 hours a week, 40 hours a week? Because actually what's more important now is going out, playing in the garden that I want to keep nice for playing time with my kids. That, that'll that be the the questions I think that will come up more for people. So it might be I'm not going to leverage absolutely everything now because I'm maybe being a little bit more cautious or I've now found this ability in myself to do more stuff of of my own that I was maybe leveraging before. But now it's going to be what's the most important thing to get leveraged? Is that childcare? Is that the garden getting done so that I can enjoy that time with the children, for example? Um, But I think that's the question that people are going to ask more. What's the most important thing to leverage?
1: And in your experience with the things that you've seen, where do you see challenges for leverage? And what I mean by that is, you know, in, in some people now, again, are having a lot of time to think. And they've created very busy lifestyles for themselves. And this is almost forcing them to sort of take that step back and have a look at it. And a lot of that is because they're in the mindset that leverage, which for a lot of people will mean outsourcing. That, that Those two words sort of kind of work alongside one another. Um, You know, they'll outsource a lot of things and they've created a very busy lifestyle. So in your experience, with your own personal experience, but also from the people that you've spoken with, where do you see leverage kind of go wrong? What sort of things do people outsource or they are very quick to hand over control and actually it can create more hassle than it's worth?
0: Yeah, I think uh, you've kind of said there as well that they're, they're trying to outsource too quickly. They maybe haven't done the thing they're trying to outsource. And that's not trying to say, look, I'm not a website designer, so therefore I don't need to go and learn website design before handing it over to a website designer. But I need to understand what I want and what I need and understanding how long that's going to take and being realistic. And I think where it goes wrong is people not being realistic about what one what they should hand over maybe being like say too quick to hand it over Uh, they want someone who can be a jack of all trades or essentially they want a master of all trades but what they've really got is a jack of all trades and what they haven't honed down to is what is the most important thing to leverage so for example when we first hired VAs We were trying to get them to do basically everything in our business, just like we used to do. Right. Because when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a business owner, especially when you're just starting off, you pretty much do the finance, the marketing, the sales, the operations. And then when you go to hire someone, your expectation is you want someone who comes in and does a bit of everything just like you do. But that's not how most people work really you'll find that you'll get specialists or people who have specialized and then they can maybe do a little bit of extra on the side so for example you know if you really need uh, someone to work on your finances don't suddenly get them to start doing some social media in your business like yeah they might know it because they do it for themselves personally but that's not going to be their forte that's not going to be the best use of their time and so for me the what i really stress to people now is think about what are those tasks that you're thinking about or that are slowing you down or that you're not very good at and then go and say okay that's all a finance-based task that's all a social media-based task that is all my content writing and getting blogs out there and and getting posts out there and letting people know and, and marketing essentially so i think it's the biggest mistake people try and do like i say is one do it too quickly and don't take the time to figure out what they need then it's Uh, not testing um, that that person or the people they're they're shortlisting and it's it's really interesting because I have people come to me who are you know can the VA do this can a VA do that can a virtual assistant do this and that and I'm like well yeah but that might not be all one person because if you think about when you're hiring a physical you know physically someone coming into your office someone in the UK, you're not expecting them to be, you know, someone who can do bookkeeping and social media and content writing and that. And it's suddenly like this expectation that these virtual assistants that we work with in the Filipinos, uh, in the Philippines can do everything. It's like, well, yeah, there's going to be some people who are absolutely awesome. And of course, you know, there's people like you and me out there who are doing all those things. And yes, you might be able to hire them, but that's going to be, you know, one in a million at times. So. I always have uh, get people to do test tasks with their VAs to check that they are doing how they would do it. You know, going through the process, getting the processes right and clear in their head before they're outsourcing that um, and then going with it. And then like any other hire you would have, going through a probation period and making sure that there's not just a kind of honeymoon phase uh, and get them onboarded properly you know train them share with them the the systems that you're using don't just suddenly hire and then leave them to it i think that's a big mistake i see people make as well so yeah i think outsourcing is great i think i see people do it wrong and then they're blaming the outsourcer and i think the very best thing you can do is actually look to yourself and think what could i have done better what would i do next time that i didn't do this time and usually one of the main things is communication Communication is so important. Being clear, being clear. one, what you want to start with, and then communicating that really effectively uh, as well. I think that's been the number one thing.
1: And I suspect, and I'm sort of uh, guessing here, that a lot of the challenges come when, as you say, we do a bit of everything in our lives. And quite often, when we're looking to outsource or leverage, we're looking for someone to pick up those, those balls, and they're not necessarily all in one area. So I suspect you've got a lot of small business owners that don't have enough, say, for example, in the finance department, but they've got some jobs there. So how do you get around that without giving um, you know, a finance person other jobs like booking holidays or whatever it may be? You know, Do you sort of have multiple VAs in different areas, but then presumably with that brings multiple people to manage? Um, and that's kind of where we get back to that loop in terms of, Some of the challenges with leveraging a lifestyle is it also comes with work to maintain that.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, I think as we grew our team, yes, uh, a number of the first VAs we took on were probably uh, kind of multitaskers and kind of virtual um, you know, assistants in that sense. They were kind of like a PA roles and executive assistant roles. And what we did with uh, a lot of those roles is we then turned them into managers of the virtual teams. So that was one of the things that they could do because one, they're on their time zone. They know the culture. All of that, that worked really well for us personally. And it's something, as I know, people are growing teams that I would absolutely um, advise to do. One of the things we did beginning with uh, finance roles when we didn't need someone full time is we hired someone part time and shared it with someone else within uh, the property industry. Um, at the time. So, again, what we've got the ability to do because of the way our, the Viva Club is set up our VA hiring service is we can connect business owners if they're saying to us they only need you know, 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week, something like that. We can then help connect them with other business owners that we know need the same thing. Uh, And a lot of VAs will have multiple um, clients anyway, so it's not unusual for them to have to work, you know, 10 hours for one client, 10 hours for another client. They're quite used to that. So uh, that's why I say about being really clear, you know, clear on do you need them part time, full time? Do you need them to work UK hours, US hours, Filipino hours? And just getting really clear on all that stuff is so much, I think, of what we think we want. We actually don't need um, straight away. Um, But. I've always been a fan of, like, say, building that team, starting with an executive style assistant who can uh, take some of those processes off you and then help build them up and, and train them up to then basically start looking after the virtual team as well as you hire more people in. That's what I've been a big fan of because, yeah, otherwise it can become another job in itself and you start, you know, becoming not only a business owner, but uh, a manager as well. And I think they are different skill sets in terms of being a good manager and being a business owner and an entrepreneur. And I think usually they're they're, um, not always combined into that same person. So uh, I think that's something to look out for when you're hiring people. Can they, do they have good people skills? And uh, yeah, we've, I say I don't th- I say lucky um, you know it's been planned in when we've hired for sure um, but also I think we've had an element of some good hires along the way that have grown with us we've we've helped develop them and they've been willing and had a good attitude to take that on so again that's a important thing I think whenever you're hiring anyone to to look at their attitude their ability to want a little bit more um, if that's right for that role uh, and as they're growing so yeah, I think this is the interesting thing. I think I've, I've said it as well, that having a leveraged lifestyle isn't just all about kicking back and sipping cocktails on a beach somewhere. There's going to be some work to make it happen. And I've always been clear about that. I think it's just not going to take as much work as people think, um, or it doesn't have to nowadays. And like I said, that's all about leveraging people who have been there and done it, and maybe who did take longer to do it. You know, we probably took the best part of three years to get to the point that I know I can share with people in about three months now. So, you know, I think that's the that's the thing, isn't it? Learning from people who have been there and done it, probably had to take the hard route, but have learnt now, you know, what not to do, what to do, and, and therefore that they can speed up your, your process to that.
1: And for you, obviously you see a lot of people that are looking um, at either developing this lifestyle further or certainly going into it, what do you see as the biggest challenges for them? What's kind of the biggest challenges that you come up against uh, in terms of people having all these ideas, they know they want to do something, they know they've got thousands of jobs, they haven't got enough time to figure out how they outsource them or leverage them. Um, and what do you see as the biggest pain point that that's quite, and is overcomeable? A uh, 100%. So the, the, the biggest
0: pain point is usually people figuring out what they need to outsource, because like you say, we're kind of just busy doing it all. And it's like, oh, I just need to stop and 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 write this all down. But I haven't got a chance to stop. And, you know, people make time a real issue. But if you can suddenly outsource 40 hours a week of your business to someone else, how freeing is that? So you kind of have to give people uh, these future vision glasses, basically of saying, look, if you had 40 hours extra a week working on your business in your business and actually, you know, getting really uh, a lot of the, the admin stuff done or whatever it is that's taking up your time, but it's not moving your business forward. Just imagine, you know, how much more you could ne- connect with new clients, how many new clients you could bring on, um, you know, whatever your business is. But I think, so one, it's that. So then it's OK, well, how do I find these people? and How do I hire? And obviously, that's one of the reasons we created the Viva Club, uh, the very important virtual assistant club to help people do that in a way that's you know nice and easy. We've created the systems and processes. We've tried to make it as hands free as possible. And so that people who have been scared and we've had a lot of those clients as well that come to us, business owners, who you know, Either they're scared to hand it over the work or they're scared to go through a hiring process and get it wrong. And it's like, well, look, if you go wrong and, you know, the hire isn't right, you come to us again and we make it right. So that's one of our kind of guarantees that we give to business owners as well, because we know it is a scary process, especially if you've never hired before. Uh, And then the the thing is, like, okay, what am I going to outsource? So one of the things we created was 101 tasks you can outsource to any VA. So this covers finance, uh, admin, social media, SEO, lots of different roles that you might want to take on. And the idea is that any business owner can kind of take it like a checklist and literally tick alongside and go, right, that's a task I need done. That's a task I need done. And you will see what type of role you need to hire, basically. And so that's been um, a useful tool, I know, for many people. So that's a, a free resource. They can go and find that on business-sos.com. And because that's been the number one question I've had, well, OK, like I kind of know I need a VA because people are overwhelmed. They're frustrated. There's no, there's not enough hours in the day, but they don't know what to go and outsource to them um, because they're just so busy doing the doing themselves. So it kind of just makes them stop, uh, take a moment, pause, pause. Uh, Use that checklist um, and then keep moving forward. And I know a few people when I mentioned about putting this checklist together, were like, oh, that sounds overwhelming in itself. But I'm like, well, if it's all there for you, you literally can just tick beside it and you can figure out which role you need to hire. Um, And so that's been really helpful for a lot of people. They've what they've shared with us.
1: And in your experience, has there been anything that you've outsourced that you maybe shouldn't have? You know, are there some things that you shouldn't outsource that you've learned the hard way? Um, or were you sensible enough to know not to outsource them? So are there any sort of pickles that you've seen or that you've you've got involved with yourself um, by maybe thinking that possibly is a job that I have to do myself? Or is Mm. every job leverageable?
0: (laughs) Um, Well, so far, I haven't outsourced the the podcast to uh, someone else and they, I don't know if this is classes outsourcing to you Kelly I don't know
1: being I think you're here? leveraging me I think actually it's occurred to me through this through the podcast <laughs> that I'm being leveraged
0: <laughs> there you go um, but so far I haven't uh, you know no episode has been entirely someone else so far but maybe that's what's coming in the next 100 episodes we'll see Um But yeah, so I haven't done that yet. I haven't. um, I haven't outsourced when I actually deliver and train. Although when I do deliver and train um, my podcast training, I leverage my podcast agency to do all the technical parts of it because that's, again, not my forte. It's not what I do as part of my podcast. And so when it comes to uh, outsourcing to a virtual assistant so far, um, and also we have we have physical hires as well. We've definitely had some bad hires for sure. We've we've probably hired the wrong people at times, both virtual and uh, physically based. And and that's because maybe we've just been too desperate to hire. And that's sometimes a real um, uh, kind of, you know, you're, when you're really in pain and you just need to get someone else in like you're you're just doing too much. You The team are overwhelmed. You need someone else in. And I think that's when we've hired bad, when we've just been desperate and it's probably showed. And we haven't maybe been as rigorous. We've taken the best person available at that time when actually what we should have done is put it out to market again. We should have taken a bit more time. So that's probably been the one time when we've um, when we've gone wrong. And that's happened with virtual assistant. And that's happened uh, with a physical hire as well. And so I think it's being clear that Don't just hire because there's a real need to at that point. It's you're hiring because it's the right person you should be hiring. And so that's usually then the issues then come down to kind of customer service and how clients have been treated because essentially the wrong person's been in the role and they've not been. You know, we probably have. Therefore, either we've abdicated or the person they were taking over from has slightly abdicated and not trained them up well enough because they just been busy getting on with the stuff that 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 they needed to but equally they didn't then hand over properly and things like that so that's when it's kind of gone a little bit wrong um so some big learning lessons there and that's probably my biggest lesson i could share with people is don't just hire because you're desperate and you need to and you want to fill that position actually get the right person into that position because it's going to cost you more and it did like especially our physical hire it cost us big time um we took our eye off the ball there so um Yeah, I'd have have put it back out to hire again. I actually, I have to um, probably put the caveat there, I wasn't involved in the um, decision in the hiring process at that point with the physical hire because I was essentially on maternity leave. So,
1: yeah, that
0: was um, (laughs) a hard lesson to learn at that point.
1: And what's great is you're super clear about the leverage bit. um, And that's certainly come across in a lot of the podcasts that you've done in terms of being very specific about, different subjects and and the the how to's. But what's also interesting is you're very um, specific on the lifestyle element. So sort of returning to the lifestyle um, part of it, is that, do you find it common that people don't really know the lifestyle they're trying to achieve? And I guess the question I'm asking is, what do you tackle first? Is it the leverage or is it the lifestyle? Where do you start when you kind of approach this topic?
0: So if I was working with a a client like one-to-one, One of the things I like to get really clear with them is their vision. And there's a vision for business and a vision for your life. And we usually start with your vision for your life. And so that can be hard for people because sometimes you don't know what you've never had. Like if, if trying to work out what you want when you've never had it, you've never experienced it. Maybe you're seeing other people have it. And so at times and this is where it is a moving um beast like you you have to keep looking at it like your values the vision for your life and obviously that will change when you have big milestones when you meet a partner or if you have kids or if you move or maybe even you know you've got a job right now and then you're moving into uh going into your own business full-time that will all change and so it is uh, dynamic in that sense But it's trying to figure out what are the key principles of those life that you would want to keep going. So it's the words that I talked about, that kind of freedom, that choice. Okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean location freedom? Does that mean freedom in terms of the hours you work? Does that mean, um, you know, where you end up living in the world? That sort of stuff. So for me, it's finding those words, those values. I had a client come to me the other day and say like one of their vision they wanted was to be a billionaire in 10 years. And I was like, okay, but what does that mean? Why do you want to be a billionaire? Like for me, that's just a number. And so it was understanding what it really meant. And then we drilled down and it was actually about legacy. It was about providing for her daughter. It was about showing other people what she was able to achieve from the background she'd come from. she come from a war-torn country. It was, it was just phenomenal what she went through. And for me, that was actually more important than saying she wanted to be a billionaire. It was just like, well, that's a number. That's a, a thing. Like, it's not like why. It's not the driving force. It's not what your life then looks like by being billion, a billionaire. What does that look like? So getting really clear on that, your lifestyle. I think I, I did a recent episode as well about not keeping up keeping up with the Joneses. And weirdly, I heard Gary Vee talk about it in one of his podcasts recently. And this idea that our happiness comes from what other people have and us trying to strive for that too. So it can be hard going through that process and going, okay, this is actually what I want, not what I think I want because I've seen someone else have it. So... It's a big piece of work for sure. But I think the lifestyle has to come first because then it's working out, Okay, what do you need to leverage first? And for most people, it usually is some stuff around the house because they want some more time back. And that might be time back to then build their business, to then create the assets, to then create the passive income. So it it is that kind of step by step, that journey through it all. And then so for me, it's the lifestyle you want to create. Then you need to figure out the kind of the leverage part for me. Leverage comes in. Like I said, it's the different parts you leverage, but we also go through a process. So I talk about outsourcing quite a bit, but and I probably started that in the podcast because, you know, we had the Viva Club. We'd helped a lot of people have virtual assistants. They've made a big difference in our Uh, businesses but actually when we look at it in terms of the process we go through it's looking at what can we um, what are the processing systems that are in our head right now that we can get out onto at least paper first of all or you know onto our Evernote then it might be you know putting them into some sort of computer file video file then it's about okay what out of that can we then start automating And then it's about the people we hire to come and leverage and outsource and and do the bits that either we don't want to do or we can't do or they could do better than us. So that's also the process we go through in terms of leverage, that it's not suddenly like, okay, you need to leverage all this, then you need to hire all these people because that costs money. Right. And you need to kind of figure out the income. And and, you know, what ratios you want to to be looking at before you start hiring, um, because obviously your income is going to go down slightly or the profit you take from the business because of your your uh, spending out on um, uh, people in your business. So, you know, if you can automate and put some tools in place that are free of charge or, you know, really, you know, minuscule amounts each month, then and then it's about then the, the people who can one either then operate them or two, you haven't. You don't have to get them to do that work that the the piece of software is doing. So um, yeah, it's a real process uh, to go through. And like I said, I do Uh, well one is new tools come out uh, new software and apps come out one is keeping up to date with all that but also it's your vision changes as your lifestyle changes as you you know maybe have other dependents uh, relying on you all of that will change then as well but uh, it's got to start with your lifestyle it's got to start with what you want and i'm really clear that it's got to be what you want and then we also do a bit with your family, so if you have got, um, you know, a partner, children as well, it's getting them bought into the lifestyle and making sure you're all working towards that same vision. Because otherwise, it, it it's going to be tricky, right? <laughs> you can't uh, all be kind of going in different directions, and then making sure the business aligns to that. So, if you've got a business that requires you to be in one location, yet your lifestyle vision is to go and travel the world, then that's probably not not the right business to be
1: in, and you need to maybe pivot or adapt that. So, yeah. And for you, now that we're on episode 100, you've been exposed to so many different points of view and all those sorts of things. I guess the question for me is, how have you adapted, you know, or how when you came into this with a very leveraged lifestyle mindset, and for all the time I've known you, very much when you approach things, you very much come at things from that sort of angle, definitely the the glasses that you look through. So. It's very interesting being your company anyway, because you shine a different light on, on different tasks. But over the 100 episodes, has your attitude changed? And also, looking ahead, when you look at your leveraged lifestyle, what areas for you need work at the moment? What areas are you thinking, actually, this is a bit that, I, that I've not retackled tackled that, that's kind of the next one for me to, to look into? Because certainly what's very much coming across, and it's come across in your previous podcast, is that this is a complex topic this is not as simple as what can you outsource get a VA which you know some people may, may may look at it that way there's there's loads of layers to it do you feel you've explored every layer or are there more layers for you to, to go through
0: yeah definitely more layers to go through and I think I was thinking back to a couple of the the interviews I've done uh, and an interesting point that um, Rob Stewart, uh, who's a property developer, he's also got um, children. He brought up something about the fact that we talk about as entrepreneurs, you know, we think we can make money from anything. And he's like, I'm not sure I believe in that. And I think it's that we don't back ourselves in um, like one thing and the kind of having this focus. And I thought that was really interesting. And that had changed my mind on. Something where I thought, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, you see opportunities in everything. You can make money from everything. You know, you could then leverage that out. And for me, it then got me really thinking about as entrepreneurs, are we backing ourselves? Um, and then are we putting our focus and our all into that area? And therefore we can then figure out the leverage and all the prices and that. Because if we're jumping into new things all the time, it's just this this constant rollercoaster we're going on and we're having to start again, essentially every time we go into a new business area or a new area of focus. So that got me thinking a lot about everything that we do. And, you know, it used to be a kind of this badge of honor that you had all these businesses and we've got multiple streams of income. And it's like, Whoa, if you have too many, one of them's going to kind of go or dive. And I think, you know, throughout this time, You know, business has changed massively for us. Lifestyle has changed massively for us. You know, we've had a second child since I started this podcast Um, you know, uh, one to two is not like it doesn't equals like three or four. It's 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 not uh, (laughs) uh, an obvious kind of uh, progression as such. It suddenly two is a lot, a lot harder than one. And uh, also just. So therefore, like our ability to travel the same way uh, wasn't there. And I was doing more training and things like that. And then I obviously took a step back to have a bit more time with the children. So there's lots of things that have developed for me um, throughout. It has changed my perspective on a few things. It's meant I've had to leverage more. So I wasn't necessarily going to put my children into nursery maybe as soon as I did. But I definitely it was the right timing and I think really good for them. Um, funnily enough, they're not obviously in at the moment. And that's been a huge adjustment. And, you know, we're looking at whether we have a nanny or we go down the child mind route and try and have something a little bit more bespoke for them again until we get to school. I've looked at like homeschooling. I've looked at, you know, I've been thinking about all these things that we think about along the way about how I would leverage childcare, how I would leverage um. Bits of businesses I've thought about because I've I've spoken to so many people, some that are younger than me, some that don't have children, some that do, some that you know have had their businesses and sold it, and it really does change how you look at the course of what you want to do in your business. And for me, it's it's helped me focus. It's helped me think about okay, what are we delivering that's of value. It's definitely probably even made me realise, like you said, there is way more to leverage than just. Hiring a VA. And I think at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of people could be probably forgiven to thinking that's what I was just thinking it was all about. Um, but like you said, this as one as I'm going through that process with myself, my husband, my business partner, as we've um, had businesses that have come and gone and we have closed a business during this time as well. Um, it's taught us so much. And then. It's like a whole nother layer when I start then teaching and sharing with other people and doing, you know, kind of one to one work and group work. That's a whole nother level, because now I'm learning from them as well. And I've got to I've got to step it up to the next level. So I always think I could be doing more. The one question I say that people need to be asking um, is uh, what. Uh, What do you want to be doing? So therefore, what do you need to leverage? Because so many times when a new task comes along, it's like, oh, how am I going to tackle this? Well, my first question should I say that it should be to people is like, who else could I get to do this? And that's not trying to necessarily abdicate it from you. But it's at least asking that question, getting the mindset of am I really the best person to be doing this? So a good friend of mine who have also interviewed on the podcast, um, she said to me recently about... um, A podcast you was listening to. I can't remember what was the name of the podcast, but it was this ability to be able to learn new things. So for me, I want to go and learn from someone who's been there and done it. So that's the biggest thing for me that I I've still got more learning to do. I could still my routine could be better. Like I talk about routines, but I know my routine could be better because if the kids have had a bad night's sleep, it does throw out the routine. And now we've gone into lockdown and we don't have childcare. That's thrown out the routine. There's lots of things that will always keep Coming at us. And it's just that mindset to keep going with, Okay, how could I do this different, better, outsource that or leverage that or put that into a new system? Because we've never had that happen before, but now we have. Okay, how would we deal with that? Would we deal with that in the same way again or would we do it slightly differently next time? So there's always learning to do. I know I've still, you know, I don't think I'm going to even have it all figured out by my deathbed, but I don't think anyone is like. And it was really interesting. I was listening to a, a podcast with um, Stephen Bartlett was uh, interviewing. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of the lady, but she used to go by Steve because she was a business lady back in the like 50s and 60s. And so no one wanted to do business with a woman. I think she's Dame, she was Dame Stephanie something. But she'd go by Steve. And I remember that because my husband's name, Steve. And she was saying how she was trying to get that work life balance. She had a, um, a child and. Uh, he did say, like, do you think you're ever going to ever get that work-life balance? And brain, she's in a, you know, some 80s now, it must be at least. And she's like, mm, yeah, I'm not sure I ever have still got that quite right. So I think we're always going to be striving for a better balance, a, a better work life, business life, um, family life, all of that. There's always going to be things we think we can do better. But I think if we can let go a little bit of that perfectionist in us all I think we all do have that that striving to want to do more better I, I especially think my listeners are going to be in that that category um that we want more we want it better we want to have done the last thing that we did better we want to leverage more outsource more have a better lifestyle all of that and I think like I said I did a whole episode on it about being kind I think if we can take that pressure off at times n- realize that perfect doesn't really exists perfect is what we have now in front of us because it is what it is and we've made that choice and if we can be happy with it and content with it and realize and be grateful for what we have got and we've we've done the best we can by that point I think that's all we can ever say we've done and I think if we're listening to podcasts and we're educating ourselves and we're asking good questions, then we're probably at a higher percentage or whatever you want to look at um, in terms of success. Then most people on this planet, I don't think most people are asking questions like that. I don't think most people are judging themselves like that. But I do think people who listen to podcasts are probably in that percentage or in that in that few because they're trying to look at, okay, what else do I not know? and could go and do maybe that little
1: bit better next time. And that kind of brings me to another point, uh, point actually, Katz. I I guess as well, and I kind of wanted to get your opinion on this, in terms of judgment and negative press that outsourcing gets, particularly as a mother of young children um, and all those sorts of things. I'm curious to see if you or if um, a lot of your listeners have received bad press judgment for daring to use the word leverage or outsource, particularly (laughs) around very sensitive subjects like children. Um, Because I wonder if that's also a stumbling block. You know, you said that if you're asking the questions, if you're you sort of going a bit deeper in terms of analysis so that you can improve your life. Um, but if you're being criticised by parent in laws or whoever, society. So I'm curious, have you experienced that? It's interesting.
0: I, I suppose I get questioned on it. And it's whether I take that as a judgment or not. And... For me, I suppose what I whenever I'm getting questioned on something, I just think people are curious about it. And maybe they're they're trying to find the justification for themselves. So I don't mind being that guinea pig or that. I don't know, the the person that's kind of put out there in that sense. Um, I probably I don't know sometimes where the guilt at times comes from. There's definitely been guilt in the past and I've let go of a lot of it throughout the process of, you know, putting my children into nursery when, you know, people might say, well, you're you're a business owner, you can work the hours you want. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I want to be able to serve people. I want to be able to put out more content and and do more with my business. So therefore I, I do put my children to nursery, but actually if I really look at it, it's really good for them. So I think there's always pros and cons to everything you do. And, but if you only look on one side of it, then you'll you'll feel that guilt, you'll feel that judgment. It's like, oh, you're away training for three days, other people, and I'm like, yeah, but the children now have time with their uh, dad a bit more, or they'll have been at nursery most of that time, or they'll be with their grandparents. And, you know, I come back a better mum. I've, you know, I've been operating on a different level. I'm not just, you know, doing stickers and playing in the garden and things like that here with the kids I've uh, I'm sharing my knowledge and doing something that really excites me and that I love and I think I come back as a better mum for that so I think the biggest judgment I've had in the past especially kind of friends and families is about the cleaner thing and about having someone to come and you know clean your house is like, well, you know, you've got time to do that. Isn't that just being lazy or something like that? I'm like, well, no, if that's my free time, what would I rather do with that free time? Be cleaning um, or go play with the kids or even just like, even if it's not about being with the kids, by the way, like this is the thing, like even if it's just me time, go ahead, have a walk, listen to a podcast, whatever it might be that you like to go and do with that time. I don't want to spend that time cleaning and and I recognize it's not one of my strengths like I'm not the best cleaner in the world like I like things tied in in order but um yeah just uh, I know I'll miss something like uh, I know it'll be done better and probably quicker and more efficiently by someone else so that's probably been the one thing that I've seen from uh, I suppose it's like it's not necessarily a lazy thing as well sometimes it's also seen as a bit of a I'm trying to think of the word but extravagant, that it's like, why are you paying someone else to do something you could do? I'm like, well, why wouldn't I?
1: Do you think that feeling that um, sometimes, as you say, the unsaid words, and it's great that you can interpret that and look at it and say, that's the question, they're curious. I think that's a very kind response. And I'm sure (laughs) that serves you very well. Um, I think for some people, they're probably not just curious. They probably do have their own um, thoughts and feelings does that stop people Would that not necessarily you but a would it stop you but also how much do you think gender roles you know what people should be doing and shouldn't be doing and use the word lazy woman's role whatever it may be how much Mm -hmm. do you think that stops people actually outsourcing the things that guess what they may be great at cleaning but they just don't want to do it
0: yeah Um, unfortunately I think it does stop people still. I think a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast, I'm hoping they've got over some of that now. And I've kind of been the, the, you know, the flag bearer and kind of, Paving the way for them to say like it's okay Like it's good to do that because it's going to give you more time And your time is finite and it's precious and it's worth more And it's all of that and it's trying to say like actually you're worth more And unfortunately I do think you know gender uh, kind of stereotypes still are at play um, I think there's a lot of things especially in these recently that are still at play That should not be at play uh, in 2020 it's ridiculous um and unfortunately gender is also one of those still and you know my husband will still be that superhero for looking after the kids and running a business but i will still be looked at as uh, potentially a neglectful mother because i'm running a business and trying to look after the children as well and that will still happen and what i want to say to anyone in that position by the way and Whatever the stereotype you're being stereotyped for, like it's OK to be the opposite and to pave your own path and to do the things that are important to you. And I think as I talked about at the beginning, you know, what's the most important thing to you right now? And if that is not cleaning your house right now and that is going to spend your time in a different way, that's you've chosen that and be confident in that and feel good in that and know that is the right thing for you and if anyone wants to give you criticism on that and hate you on that that's their own deal that's their own little demons and issues creeping up and you don't need to take that on and and that's a big thing i've learned about this and i you know i've had a few trolls and haters along the way uh, by putting additional content out there and by you know going against sometimes what might be deemed as the norm and i'm I'm okay with that because I'm living the life that I want to live and I'm being true to myself. And I think if anything, if you're not, that's going to eat you up inside more than anything. And for me, that probably was um, something that caused my mental health issues in the past is I wasn't being true to who I was and what I really wanted. And so I think that's where I want to be really clear to people. Yes, people are going to judge and people are going to judge anyway. Whether you do something really good uh, and uh, altruistic and, you know, uh, philanthropy is your thing and you want to get into business to really just give most of it away. But also if you want to get into business to build the biggest thing ever and to leave a legacy and and all of that, that's cool, too. Like whatever your reasons for doing it, I think as long as it's, you know, not evil and um, it's uh, it's got your best intentions and good intentions at heart, like. Just go and do what's what's right for you uh, as long as you're not hurting anyone along the way. And because people are going to judge good, bad, right, wrong, because they bring all their own stuff to the table. And I think that's been a big lesson. And uh, I know we've both been through it. Uh, Landmark was a massive uh, turning point for me to to really understand that, that it's really about other people's meaning they put on it. It's not about anything you've done. And so when I have had criticism in the past, yes, it can hurt. Yes, it can still hurt. Words can hurt. Um, But if I know I've done everything as best as I can, I've come with good intentions, I've, you know, that's not the meaning I brought to it. Then really it's then their meaning they're putting on it. So um, for me, that's been a again, a huge journey kind of really throughout this point and kind of since becoming a mum as well, because you get a lot of judgments suddenly when you become a mum as well. <laughs> um, so that's my biggest yes, thing. I, have, Eve... I,
1: I, I am aware as a mother of two, it's interesting how you have a child. Everybody in the world has an opinion on any, any anything and everything you do with raising children. But I think the point that you made there, um, which you touched on, but been throughout the whole podcast, um, it's a mindset. That's the framework that kind of pulls it together. We've talked about the leverage. We've talked about the lifestyle. But without that mindset, and, I, you know, it's interesting some of the, the comments you make about the cleaner. But even if it's um, comments that, you know, you may not want to spend the time with your children, those are okay things to say as well. Um, and I'm sure there'll be people listening that even if they have started the journey of leverage, there'll be things they'll be holding back on. Um, and it won't necessarily be... Um, specifically how to do it. It's more a case of the mindset and all the emotion uh, and the emotional management that goes with it. So um, mm-hmm. I think that's just an interesting point that you've flagged up. And the importance that, yes, a leveraged lifestyle may be X, Y, and Z, but without the mindset to, um, to incorporate it, it's going to be a big challenge. Um, and that's sort of kind of what I got from that answer. Um, yeah. Another quick question I've got for you, Kat, with everything that you've learned, if you could go back to your younger self um let's pick an age say 20 what would you go back and say to her
0: wow well it's really interesting you've picked 20 uh, basically 21 is
1: 21 actually i I, I know you're i know you're not fine i I am expecting some depth on this answer um this is it but uh, but yeah go on what why 20 why is that an interesting one? so around 20
0: i basically had gone back into work again i had i had Um, been traveling by that point and then I went off to go travel again um, soon after I turned 21 Um, and that was quite significant period for me in terms of my mental health as well I first started understanding that I was uh, suffering with anxiety attacks that led to kind of stress and uh, eventually a kind of clinical diagnosis of depression I went through counseling and things like that at that age as well for the first time in my life and what I would, there's so much hindsight you get from coming out the other side of that as well. So one of the things is I, I unfortunately suffered with depression then again later in my um, 20s as well. So there's so much I would share with that 20 year old girl really who had a lot of weight on her shoulders at that point, And I'd be encouraging her, probably one to look into personal development more. Um. Uh, having been through Lamark and the forum and a lot of stuff with them, uh, I'd probably tell her to go and reach out to them um, to not take on as much, not put as much pressure on herself. That it all will be OK. And uh, just to kind of live life more, I think I thought I was. I mean, especially when I went traveling and stuff, but there's still more I could have done. Um More I could have probably outsourced at that point. Um, I always say, actually, when I went, I go back to some of the jobs I did at that point in life as well, like working in offices. one of the things we actually had there it was quite interesting. I was working at the Crown Prosecution Service at this point, and one of the things we had to do was send out a lot of letters to victims and witnesses of crime at this point and let them know the stage of the trials and that. And we did outsource to a typist in a typing pool, and for me that was brilliant because I was just like, "Well, great, I just need to set out one letter, and then she does all the rest." And so that was really, without knowing it, was my first understanding of outsourcing. Um, but I had to look back to kind of see that. And there's so many more things that I would have outsourced if I'd realized that it was possible. And when I look back at some of the jobs I had, I'm like, wow, if I had a VA at this point, I'd have been so much better at my job because I was doing, I was trying to do all the things I wasn't good at, as well as then try and pull the things together that obviously got me the job. Um, so yeah, for me, like understanding what I could leverage more, what I could leverage in my day, but I think the biggest thing, especially at 20, with everything that was going on in my life at that time, is to kind of let it go, not take on so much weight of the world and um, just go and enjoy life a little bit more and probably travel a little bit more as well, for sure. At that point in time, I I love what I did do, but uh, there's so much more of the world I've wanted to see, especially at that kind of age in my 20s, like without the responsibilities and the dependence and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. And uh, yeah, maybe not worry about boys so much as well at that point. <laughs> yeah.
1: And looking back, you know, sort of to your to your journey over the last sort of 10, 20 years, what's been for you one of your biggest successes? And you don't have to say children, just so you know, oh. it's okay if you don't say <laughs> children. I'm not going to judge you. Others well, will, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. So more the ability
0: that to become a mum so not necessarily my children in that sense but for me I had a real fear about having children because for me having had mental health issues in my early 20s I was very aware that when you go through pregnancy and things uh, mental health issues can come up again and obviously postpartum is a real kind of issue for many women out there and especially those who have had any mental health struggles in the past as well so for me the Biggest success and journey was actually um, getting over those issues I had to be able to then become a mum. So that's been a real success for me. And the success actually has also been in terms of kind of business and what we've done, has been taking that leap of faith in myself to come out of what was a you know very kind of secure public sector job uh, I say secure that we're all going through redundancies it seemed to be but I always seem to kind of uh, hang on and and change roles and um, get my way through um, but the success comes in that ability to not follow the crowd that I feel that um, success has come in um, through learning to love who I am to love myself I've had big issues with that in the past and it's still something I work on uh, at times Um, and I don't always love what I see in the mirror every time but um it's getting better and I think for every person working on your self-worth your confidence that's been a huge success I think in my life and I didn't think I was going to say that like um I didn't know that question was coming obviously but um as I kind of worked through that yeah that's probably been a big success in life to to love who I am and I needed to be able to do that to have children. So um, and just going through labour, just on gas and air and a, a birthing pool, like that's a major success.
1: <laughs> you should get a medal. You don't, you get a child, but you, know, you, <laughs> should, you should get a medal. Um, I just <laughs> want to say, Kat, because I'm very mindful of your time, um, I want to uh, massively acknowledge you. Hitting 100 episodes in itself is a real achievement, but I think you can hit 100 episodes um, and not share as much of yourself along the way. Um, and by doing that, give other people the chance to really A, connect with you, but also understand a lot of the emotions um, that sort of go under the, under the surface, which quite often stop the action. So uh, particularly in this episode, but equally in previous episodes, I just want to acknowledge and thank you for being so um, courageous really, sharing so much of what you know, um, what you're feeling, uh, what you're doing, um, because all of those nuggets even though uh, podcasts are these you know unlimited resource uh, they're not all the same um, and not all of them give as much guidance as you do so i want to acknowledge you on that um, and sharing you. your your tips and tricks as you go along um, because they you are very methodical um, you do leave very clear steps to follow um, and on a personal note i find that Super useful. And whenever I come away from a conversation, I hope listeners will come away from this podcast thinking about something slightly differently, um, just with that slightly different view. Um, however, it is time for quickfire round. So, I you have a <laughs> few quick fire questions. Now, these ones, you probably will know what's coming. Um, and this is your <laughs> quickfire round. Um, and the first question is, what does a leveraged lifestyle mean to you? So, we've probably
0: covered this in lots of detail throughout the episode, but Uh, In a nutshell, it's freedom choice. And for me, it's leveraging my strengths, outsourcing my weaknesses, whether that's to a software or a process or a system or to another person and living a lifestyle that I choose, that I want that with my family. And um, yeah, it might look different on different days, but having a lifestyle that I'm, proud of and that i feel good about and that i'm doing some good along the way best advice you've ever received ah best advice so i'm trying to think about who who really has given me advice in my life but it's probably been when i've gone to do personal development and one of the biggest things has been about like not making it mean so much and um I'm a great one for putting meaning on everything and overanalyzing and second guessing. And so as soon as it's this like, take the meaning out of things, especially when, you know, might be having a a tense time with your other half who also happens to be your business partner, in my case, um, it's like, take some of that meaning out. And it's easier said than done, by the way, and it is a process and it is a journey and you have to keep kind of exercising that. But yeah, don't make it mean so much. and uh, or at least make it mean something good if you're going to make it mean anything.
1: And how about the worst advice you've ever
0: received? Oh, so I was trying to think about this because I ask <laughs> everyone I interview this one. Um, OK, so it probably is kind of the opposite to one of the some good advice I've had is like learning from your own mistakes. And this is why I think about in terms of leverage is leveraging people who've been there and done it before you, so you can understand the mistakes. And it's interesting, we've gone through, you know, what some might consider some huge mistakes recently with one of our businesses, we've had to close it and things. And there's so many lessons that have come out there, but we had never been through them before. I'm not sure many people we know would have been through them before. And so now it's thinking about, okay, how can I leverage some of that to go through it? But if I could have, um, you know, had someone else teach me that mistake or that and not had to go through it myself how much better would that have been so i think as children yes we need to learn through our mistakes but as adults do we need to keep doing that i don't think so so um i think more as adults there's so much information out there in the world you know at our fingertips now um don't make the mistake don't be the guinea pig like actually see if someone's um been through that scenario situation so you don't have to learn from your own mistakes
1: and if you could solve one problem in the world, what would it be and why?
0: So I feel like someone turned the tables on me in one of the uh, a collaboration episode. And so I kind of remember my answer then. And I was trying to think if it's the same one now. Uh, and I think it is. So for me, I think there's a lack of compassion in the world. And this is leading to judgment, to just leading to the absolute worst in people like not putting themselves in other people's shoes and for me that comes down i think if i can put it into a nutshell it's a lack of compassion so especially as we go through kind of these lockdown scenarios all these kind of you know rules and regulations we're meant to be under and everyone seems to be judging everyone else and thinking they're all perfect and doing it better than everyone else and i think it's like I don't think we are. Like, we're all trying to th- keep living our life as as best we can. And I think the more compassion we have in the world for each other, like, I just think if we were compassionate for each other, would there be wars? I don't think so. Would we be treating the planet like we are? If we were more compassionate to to animals, to humans, to each other, to ourselves, if there's more compassion in the world, if that's something I could literally have a magic wand and give everyone, you know, endless levels of compassion for each other i think it would solve a lot of the world's problems in one go so that's why i choose it just because i think it would have this absolute domino effect um, on everything because my kind of the reason i ask people this and sorry this isn't very quick fire but i wanted to share with people why i asked people this in my interviews because i think that every person is up to something bigger than just themselves and just their immediate family they just don't know what it is yet so i'm hoping by asking that question and hopefully my listeners thinking about it when i ask it to my interviewees but also hopefully they're thinking it for themselves is that what would you be up to bigger in the world because i think there's so many there are so many problems in the world right now one of them is that potentially we won't have a planet to live on for much longer if we keep treating it the way we're treating it and that's my bigger purpose now that's my bigger vision that's informing everything i do um informing how i raise my children informing how i do business informing how i talk to people about it is that i want a planet that doesn't just survive but thrives and right now like we're struggling to survive um and if this period of time has taught us anything it's like the change we're seeing in the world like the blue skies we're able to see for the first time in in certain countries like that's got to teach us something right like hopefully we, that's something we keep going forward um, because, you know, yeah, there's probably a selfish part of me that I'm a mum and I want, I'd love to be a grandparent. <laughs> All of that. There's the selfishness. But equally, I'm out there for humanity and to be compassionate to the world as a whole. Um, so that's a very long answer. But I wanted to share why I, I asked that as well.
1: And again, I think the why is, is is sometimes just as important as the what. So thank you for sharing that, because hopefully people will go away and and think about their bigger purpose, their bigger mission. Um, thank you, Kat, for your time. Massively appreciate it. You're 100 episodes in. That in itself is a remarkable, um, a remarkable um, sense of consistency, continuity, and commitment. And I think it's very easy for people to misunderstand just how much work goes into this with everything else that you're balancing. Um, so my final question is, what's next? Are there another <laughs> 100 episodes to go?
0: I hope so. Um, I think if anything, uh, in some ways, your interview here has really given me a renewed sense of like purpose and why I've, I've been doing this. And so I... My thought is, uh, and I kind of want to test this by the listeners. So, listeners, you're kind of getting a first thought into... My thoughts that are going on as to giving people a bit of time to recap the episodes and to share with people some of my favorite interviews and episodes and kind of reintroducing them and doing a bit of a re-edit of them um, for a few months just to kind of give people that chance to recap. Um, And just to give me a renewed uh, energy and enthusiasm. Obviously, we've just been going through this um, whole new change in how we deal with life and the world right now. Um, So it could be a good opportunity to do that. Um, I'd like to do something really special for. The two year anniversary in July. Um, uh, I'm going to put a poll out in the community to uh, have people vote on some of their favourite interviews and maybe see if I can get a kind of follow up interview. Uh, definitely want to do some more interviews because for me it's just a great source of learning. So it's quite selfish in that sense, but hopefully the listeners love the interviews as well. Um, there's lots of people I want to interview, interview, and of course there is a second podcast in the the kind of in the ether I'm working on, uh, which some people do know about. So um, it's not. Uh, leverage lifestyle as such but it's linked to the why and the the vision and the passion very much so so um hopefully i can share with listeners soon when that's uh, launched or when i'm launching um but yeah that's kind of what's next um and goodness knows what's coming next in the world at the moment but uh, we'll we just keep going with it and rolling with it and um i'm excited to to yeah, kind of work with more people. That's one of the things I'd like to do more as well. Um, Work with more people to help create for them a leveraged lifestyle. That's been the whole purpose of the podcast to get the message out there um, more so than ever. Um, Because I, you know, having suffered with mental health and depression um, issues, I think for me, the biggest thing was trying to share with people that it doesn't have to be the same old way. Like you don't have to be stuck in a nine to five. You don't have to do the same old job that, you know, your mother, your father did to your next door neighbor does. It's like you could have a life that you want. Um, and in this podcast is going to give you the tools and the mindset to get you there.
1: Well, thank you for sharing, Kat. Thank you for living the lifestyle. Thank you for being um, a sense of inspiration and also a role model, you know, not just for me, but for, for loads of others in the community that see what you do. Um, they hear what you say. Um, and and quite often actions speak louder than words and you certainly are somebody that that follows through with the actions. So thank you for sharing your journey um, and thank you for allowing me to share this special uh, podcast with you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, It's been great to kind of dig a bit deeper um, and learn a bit more about the layers that you're sort of unravelling at the moment.
0: Brilliant. No, thank you, Kelly. And like I said, thank you so much for uh, getting this all together last minute with me. Um, I really thank you for leveraging me, Kat.
1: I feel well and truly leveraged. Being... <laughs> that should be the overall sense of the podcast. Go and find out where you can leverage.
0: <laughs> exactly and never feel guilty about it and never take the judgment on it's all good it's all good now thank you again kelly and i want to say a big thank you to all my listeners for to getting to this 100th episode with me um you keep me accountable you keep me going and um yeah it's been um it's been fun i was a bit, i was a bit nervous about having the tables turned on me so um, thank you for making it an enjoyable experience kelly <laughs> you're welcome And uh, I suppose I should sign off and, uh, and say, I believe there is no better time than now to start creating your leveraged lifestyle. Thank you, Kelly.